0: Hi, Sean. Thank you for coming along. No, thank you. So I have got a condition called cystic fibrosis, which you may have heard about. So basically, it's a genetic condition that I was born with. I got a faulty gene from both my parents, and I was just the lucky one. And so basically, what cystic fibrosis means is that in quite simple forms, my cells can't process salt properly, which means that if we were to cut me and you open, the inside of your body would be quite wet whereas the inside of mine is quite dry. Um, As a result of that, my body can't clear things like phlegm and stuff like that. So in my lungs, for example, if I get a cold and stuff like that, you'd cough it up, you'd sneeze it up. Whereas in my case, I wouldn't and it would damage my lungs and various other kind of organs. So my pancreas doesn't work properly because it can't release enzymes to break down food. But looking at me, you would never know that I've got something and therefore it's a hidden disability. And I think it's those kinds of things that I think is really kind of prevalent to talk about. I was on a, a WebEx a few weeks ago about it was kind of a DNI about disabled partners, and it just kind of got me thinking how I don't really know many managers who have got disabilities or who have got kind of health issues within the partnership that kind of count as a disability. The people that were on this disabilities call that I was on were very much kind of level kind of tens and nines kind of home workers, workers in shops. There was no real representation of Waitrose. I thought it'd be great to kind of talk about my journey and kind of what I've experienced and how the partnership has been great in some aspects and it's been difficult in others. Thanks, Sean,
1: and uh, I think this is great. What you have brought today is actually the epitome of all things diversity and inclusion. And, and I want to, to, to make it very, very clear to our listeners that when we're talking about diversity and inclusion, It is not just solely around colour. Today with Sean here, we are going to be talking about disability, which is another dimension, another aspect of diversity and inclusion. And I think, I just want to to zoom in into something that you mentioned, Sean, which is about hidden disabilities. And I just want you to just uh, Tell me a little bit about what do you feel the partnership has done as an employer to support you personally as someone who has a hidden disability as opposed to disabilities that are quite visible, mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and what are the challenges that you've found and what sort of help will Maybe conversations like what we're having today do to support and to alert and make, bring awareness to our leaders of our business about hidden disabilities.
0: Certainly. So probably to start with, like you say, like a hidden disability is just that. It is something that is hidden. So you're looking at me now over Zoom and there's no physical kind of ailment to me that would make you think, oh, there's something different about that individual. So throughout my entire life, it's always kind of been me that's brought my cystic fibrosis to the surface. It's always been me that's raised it. And the partnership is the only business I've ever worked in I was 17 years old. But the main thing that I think it's brought and kind of shown me is the flexibility aspect of it. So I've always been able and taken pride in the fact that the business that I work for has supported me to be able to be flexible. So if I've got hospital appointments, for example, I know that John Lewis and Waitrose being the retailer and the business that they are, I can bring them to the table. They're always welcomed. Shifts can be moved around, accommodated. I don't need to make the time up. And that's always been quite a normal kind of thing. I haven't really had to go through making reasonable adjustments something like because it's always just been a given. So in that sense, the partnership has been incredibly accommodating and that's been a really great thing to see. I would probably say that that's been more prevalent probably over the last maybe five or six years. I left school and went full time that I kind of realised that the life of working full time compared to school and the routine and structure kind of disappears a bit. And I had to kind of work out my own plan of what worked for me to enable myself to do all the treatments I need to to keep myself fit and well, but also balance that with work. And at times, that has probably been one of the biggest difficulties because whilst it's been great in terms of had the flexibility to go to hospital appointments, actually, how do I balance everything and still try and lead a normal life? And whilst I've had some fantastic managers who I've worked for and worked alongside, there's also been some challenges. I think that's probably been, probably those two kind of sticking points for me are probably things that we could work on better as a business because, yeah, at times, they've been great experiences and at times there's been more difficult experiences. Thank you for that, Sean.
1: I just want to ask um, a question uh, around the challenges that you have mentioned. Do you think as a business, when we have got partners that have got a, a disability that like the one that you have, do you feel that you have voiced or your voice has been heard so that things can be put in place for you to be supported? or do you feel that you almost certainly need to continue to knock on the door for someone to hear you?
0: I think it's a bit of both, really. So I think there's there's always been times where I've had to kind of make the first move and I've had to bring it to the table, which is absolutely fine. Of course, it is my disability, it's my condition. And there has been times where it's been really well received once I've met it and I've explained the situation but then there has been times as well where I've had this the typical well you don't look ill a lot of the time with my condition prevention is better than cure there is no cure but as long as I can keep myself as well as possible it's better than getting myself sick because the recovery time from when I get sick is far greater than kind of taking the time when I feel a bit rough to step away get myself back in fighting form and then come back at it so there's been times where I've kind of Put an intervention into place because i've started to feel that i'm declining slightly and that hasn't always been well received and i think kind of when you're going through kind of a tough time in terms of you've got one side effect which leads to another side effect which leads to another one and you're just trying to get through all of these points because you've got a flare-up or whatever you're almost seen at times to be like you're not kind of as ill as you might say you are because to look at me i'm not in a wheelchair i'm not kind of physically disabled it's really done kind of at the hidden bit. But like I said, in recent years, when I brought it to the table on the surface, it's all been absolutely fine and it's been welcomed. When you're obviously a young kind of teenager coming to terms with your life is difficult, you've left school, that was probably my biggest challenge. Certainly the challenges were more apparent before I became a manager.
1: Well, Sean, that's been very, very brave for you coming along to, to share this. Actually, you know, these podcasts, we are doing them, our listeners and people that are in the partnership, and whoever else will be able to hear this. You know, when we were talking about DNI, education became a key topic on how we can educate people. And I am so grateful you've come to our platform today to share about cystic fibrosis because actually, you know, for me, it's even being educational as a manager. You know. Yeah. Uh, if I come across a partner now that has got that condition because of the conversation I've had with you clearly I'm going to approach it uh, quite differently purely because of the fact that it is a hidden disability and I think that's where the crutch of the matter is for our leaders in the business and other partners to be aware and be mindful of others in terms of hidden disabilities so I just want to to, to ask a question around um, you know I want to understand that with this condition that you've got what would you tell a younger Sean knowing what you know now on how to engage and make sure that uh, people are more much much more aware of this condition at earlier stages than actually uh, having to wait until you have and a return to work process, dealing with it head on.
0: I think, so if I could go back and tell myself kind of the how I've come out kind of the other side of my career and how I've worked through it, I think it would be definitely just to be as open as possible. Obviously having a disability, having any condition, a medical condition, it's very personal to you and at times you kind of do keep it close to you and at times I've been my own worst enemy. I've struggled through days at work um, because I don't want to let, my branch or my team down and I've kind of suffered in silence at times because one because I don't want to let cystic fibrosis underline my whole life and probably two that I've just not always been that comfortable with it so I think just openness about it I think when I was younger I hadn't kind of fully come to terms with the fact that potentially my life expectancy is going to be shorter and that I've got a really kind of thorough treatment routine to adhere to and I rebelled against it and I didn't want to. I wanted to see my friends. I didn't want to do this, that, and the other. Work was an escape for me. I would just, looking back, I probably did myself a bit of a disservice by maybe not always looking after myself in the best way and kind of letting the fact that people at work don't talk about my condition because they don't always know it was an escape from home where it was very much do your treatment, do your treatment, do this, do that, do everything to keep yourself well. So it would just be, just to be open with both myself And with the people I work with, that look, I can nine out of 10 times still do everything that everybody else can do. But actually, on that one time where I can't, I need to listen to my body. I need to talk to my colleagues and I need to do what's right for me so that I can keep myself fit and healthy. And now I'm kind of in my early 30s in the process of getting a mortgage. I'm happy with my career. I think there's definitely things I could have done that would have probably made me healthier now if I'd listened to myself and spoken out more back then.
1: Thank you very much, Sean, for bringing that up. You, you mentioned something around, you know, doing the right thing by yourself, and and you would encourage, you know, younger shows or people that are listening to that to this podcast that have got uh, disabilities that they are probably that are hidden and they don't talk about them mm-hmm. and. Uh, okay. You are encouraging them to be open and um, to listen to their body. And also this openness, you know, the partnership talks about the person behind the bench and being open and being courageous about having this conversation about this condition so that you can educate people to not be scared to come up to say, this is, this is the condition that I have and this is the support that I need thank you very much for that sean so i want to ask you a a slightly different question which uh, i want to understand now you you have said you're a manager right which obviously tells me that despite your condition there is no barriers to your progression as a result of that and i think it's really, really important to to bring that out so that people that are listening can also role model on you, not just think, just because I've got a disability, I I cannot progress in the partnership. And I think that's really uh, an important uh, point for you. So Sean, what what drives you? What drives you?
0: So for me, I think my drive is kind of, I work for a business that I love working for. And for me, I can really kind of, once I know I want something, I'll go after it. uh, And I'm super determined to get there. And I'm very much kind of a self-starter. I spent probably quite a while whilst I was in my kind of mid to late teens, probably feeling a bit sorry for myself. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Left sixth form because I wasn't sure about uni. I wasn't sure how I'd manage my condition and uni because being the youngest, having a medical condition, I was very, very well looked after at home. I was very spoiled and I didn't really know if I wanted to leave kind of that life. Whereas for me now, I think as I have kind of progressed my career, that's just made me hungrier. I was desperate to become an ASM back in the day, worked incredibly hard to get there. Then that same kind of passion has fueled me into being a TM. I've done TM jobs in London, um, in John Lewis, now obviously back in Ryslip. And for me, I just want to kind of just do as much as possible, learn as much as possible. And for, yeah, for me, doing a good job, the recognition that comes with that and just doing right by people. I love to do the right thing by people. I'm incredibly fair and I really like, just helping and working with people. And for me, I think that's the biggest satisfaction is working with partners, doing the best for them. And just achieving something at work is really what kind of pushes me forward to just keep going with it. We've spoken
1: about, you know, quite some keywords here, especially around being a self-starter, being confident about yourself and also doing right by people. I think that's really, really, really important, especially as you are also a leader in your shop. The question I want to ask you: Just forget that Ian is in this <laughs> podcast, right? Uh, just want you to be as honest yeah. as you can. Now, I want you to tell me of a time when you faced a challenging situation involving DNI in a place of work and how you resolved
0: yep. it. Okay, so I'll probably take you back to probably um, I'll take you back kind of to, to the biggest kind of stumbling block. And this probably links back to the last question around where does my kind of passion come from? So when I was aspiring to become an ASM, I had a manager turn around to me at the end of an internal interview in the same branch I was in and said to me, look, I'm just not sure if you can be a manager because of your sickness levels. Yeah. And at the time I took that just as that. And I thought, right, okay. But I I knew that my sickness levels were particularly bad, but I just thought, There's a reason why my sickness levels were bad at that time. Obviously, they were all linked to my condition. And for me, that almost lit a fire in me, and it lit the right kind of fire. So it made me want the position more, and it made me think, okay, I need to change people's perceptions. I didn't kind of go down the route of, woe is me, poor me, like I'm never going to get there. For me, it, it really lit the right kind of fire, and it made me want to kind of work harder and kind of prove people wrong prove that I could do it and I know that I talked about earlier that kind of in my mid to late teens I was in that bit of a kind of a dark place where I didn't know what I wanted I think that experience and being told that it was just like the clouds kind of parted and I was like right I want to do this for me to kind of prove people wrong and I think that had kind of been what had got me into that dark place there'd be times at school where I couldn't go on school trips especially overnight because of my treatment and stuff like that or if I could go My mum or dad had to come along and I was the least cool person in school. I think this was kind of the one thing that made me think, right, you know what? I need to do this for me. If anyone's going to kind of do it, I need to work my butt off to achieve this for myself. And I think if I go back to something that Del said, and this really resonated with me in the podcast that he did with Robert Gundry, where he said it was right place, right time, right manager. And that's what really unlocked it for me. I, I was in that place and I could have really reeled from that. But I went back, back to the day where we had sections and I moved from ambient to checkouts. I wasn't sure about it. I thought, oh, checkouts, it's, it's a dead end. Where am I going to go from here? But I had the right manager who was fully behind me, fully understood my condition. He gave me jobs that gave me massive exposure without making me work loads of stock, especially in cold areas, because that affects me. And it was the right time and this manager believed in me and i'm sure at times he fought for me but he was the one that kind of unlocked it and for me that setback really made me kind of hungrier and if i look at recent times obviously the pandemic now i was fortunate or unfortunate enough to start at rice lip the first week of march I think, and I'm sure Ian will tell you this, on my first, I emailed Ian the night before I was due to start saying, look, I've got cystic fibrosis, there's all this stuff kicking off in the news with COVID, what shall I do? So I came in on my first day, I met with Ian, and within 10 minutes, I was out the door on my way home. I think it was the shortest first day on record. And then from March until August, I worked from home, doing stuff for a branch I didn't know anything about, working with partners who had no idea who I was and I had no idea who they were, but again... Right time, right place, right manager. I felt so supported through that journey. Had a conversation with Ian about two weeks in. Did I want to furlough? Absolutely not. And again, that passion in me flared up, that thing say, right, I know that I can't be in branch. I know that my colleagues are probably finding it tough. There's a valid reason why I can't be there. But again, that ignited that fire to work my butt off, to do everything I could and to really give it my best possible shot to how I can support my branch from home. And so, yeah, for me, it's that kind of, I see a setback now, not so much as a setback, but more, how do I prove people wrong?
1: Wow, Sean, that's amazing. That's inspirational. Oh my God. (laughs) And that takes a lot for me to say that. Thank you so much. You have said a few things here that um, really touched and pulled my strings. Firstly, the fact that you were told that because of your condition, you cannot progress. I just think that managers like that, they've got no place, no business, right? And they've got absolutely no place. And I just hope that there are no managers like that. If there are, hopefully this podcast will educate them to treat people better, you know? And But what I really, really, really like is the fact that you took a challenging situation and it tended for good. And... Yeah that kicked up a fire in your belly for you to become who you are. And I think that is an incredibly inspirational story, Sean. And thank you very much for coming along today to to, to share your story on this podcast. What an inspirational story. Thank you very much.